Welcome to A Drink with a Friend. I'm Seth Haynes. And I'm Tish Oxenreiter. Okay, Finn, what do you think of this weather? Hectic. Hectic? What do you mean, hectic? Cold. Yeah? Um... The snow's iced over. Right. Like, have you ever seen something like this in Austin? Uh, no. You've seen it in Oregon, right? But this is in Oregon. Yeah. This is Texas. It's bonkers. I was born and raised here, and I've never seen this. What have you been doing the past few days? Well, then at the park, there's a snowbank. Yeah? And I need to have dug burrows. Really? Yeah. Were you freezing doing that, or were you okay because you were moving? I was freezing. Yeah. And, like, Tate, I could fit my entire body inside of it. Really? Yeah. Like father, like son. Your dad used to camp in the snow. You know those stories? He builds igloos and then camps in them. So, what do you hope happens, like, by the end of this week? Um, it thaws. I want to go back to having a stick-ish land, but I cannot even, I can barely even see the sticks that are on the ground. What do you mean by stickish land? What have you been doing with sticks? Making stuff. Like whittling and carving and yeah. using dad's tools to create all sorts of inventions, right? And my own. And your own. Your own tools, Yes. Um, but in the meantime, you know, this is hardly going to ever happen again here in Texas. So are you just going to make the most of it? Well, you have been making the most of it. You've been playing a lot. Yeah, we don't know if this will happen again. Well, we don't, of course. No one knows the future. But, I mean, this is pretty unusual, right? Yeah. Yeah. Today we are talking about what everybody's talking about this week. Uh, so this is going to date the podcast a little bit, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the snowpocalypse that has swept the country. It's weird because you're in Arkansas, I'm in Texas, and it's literally colder here than it is where we lived in Central Oregon up in the mountains a few years ago. It's insane. Yeah. What's your temperature down there right now? Uh, that's a good question. Let's find out. Um, it was five when I woke up this morning, which Oh, we are up to a balmy 27. That's actually pretty warm. How about you guys? A balmy 27 <laughs> degrees. Well, yeah. Yesterday, when we woke up, it was negative 15. Some places in with no wind chill. That's without the wind chill. Dang. Some places in Fayetteville uh, recorded negative 18, which was the state record. So congratulations to us. We set a record. <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah. Um, right now it is 19 degrees and the wind chill has it feeling like 12 degrees. So today, I mean, I went out in my swimsuit and just walked <laughs> through, I mean, 30 whole degrees warmer. Um, it was just, it was, it was quite pleasant outside. Right. Right. Yeah. Our feels like weather, our wind chill is 18. Um, and I think the main thing I think of, you know, because Kyle's mom is, calling us several times a day, giving us suggestions on what to do. 
and through absolutely no fault of her own, you forget the infrastructure issues because it's not about right. not knowing what to do. It's about whether you're the lay of your land and the environment in which you live actually allows for that. So everything she suggested, it's like, we actually can't do that because of X, Y, and Z reasons in terms of wood burning stoves or, or driving somewhere. Like she keeps forgetting we can't drive anywhere. And so she'll make a quick suggestion. It's like, we actually, you know, lovely thought, but we can't do that. Um, and and you so can't drive. Yeah. you can't drive because you guys don't have the snow plows and the salt trucks and that exactly. stuff. Exactly. So um, I say all this for the Northerners who are like balking at Southerners in general, Texans in particular, because of our ridiculous, crazy infrastructure that's collapsed, basically, um, that this is why. And I remember having the same feelings whenever our family up north would complain in the summer about 85, 90 degrees as a high. And we would roll our eyes thinking, oh, my gosh, try 100 plus for a month straight. Um but their infrastructure can't handle it. Like you, you don't have central AC and you don't have the swimming pools everywhere kind of thing. And so it feels, it's the same beast, really. It, it all has yeah. to do with your typical climate. So, yeah. So today we're going to talk about like just kind of a quick thought on what we're learning about survivalism and what it actually means really to live a good life and to thrive. Um, because I think a lot of people are feeling this way too. So um, before we get into it, Seth, what are you drinking? I am drinking um, a lovely green tea, um, a mate from one of my, uh, f- from our favorite local tea shop here, Savoy. Um, and it's fantastic. I don't really drink a lot of green tea. I've been told I should because it's really good for the body. Uh, lots of antioxidants, so they say. And so today I'm antioxidizing. <laughs> Is that a, I don't know if that's a verb, but I, that's yeah. what I'm doing. Good for yeah, you. So that's good. Yeah, I'm antioxidizing. What are you doing? What are you drinking? I'm honestly doing my straight up black coffee that I always do. It's the Venom Blend from 309 across our street. And I'm doing it a little bit hesitantly because I've I read this morning, you know, we're recording this on Nash Wednesday, so fasting. Um, that it's not good to drink coffee while you fast. That apparently it's better to drink tea for I guess, antioxidant reasons or whatever. So I thought, oh gosh, I just read that. Does that mean I shouldn't drink coffee today? But then I thought, um, I want to be smart and sane and (laughs) I, I, I'll, I'll cut back my coffee, but I'm not going to not drink coffee today. So I'll switch to tea later when I would normally get a second cup of coffee. I I think smart and sane is good. Also, I've been told, I think you said earlier, you're fasting from electricity. uh, I know. Right. I know. That's what we were literally joking about as a family. Like, um, maybe God is choosing our fast for us. Um, yeah. So we we woke up. We had it for a few minutes. I literally was about to open my laptop and start writing, and then it went out. So we went three hours without. We are very, actually, we're very grateful we have had power up till just now. Like, we almost have the survival's guilt issue going on because <laughs> so many friends don't have it that we feel a bit like, gosh, we did nothing to deserve this. Thank you. Powers the be and God. And it could go off again at any moment. And I don't know, I would still be okay. Powers that powers that be. That's like air quotes, right? The powers that be. Right. That's, yeah. It's a great pun. Good job. <laughs> I didn't even mean that. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit um, about what the issue is in Texas, because I think this might intrigue some of the listeners. Um, yeah. You know, my, so my parents have, they're in... Uh, south of the River Valley in Arkansas. So they are to some degree connected to some of the infrastructure that's 
uh, connected to Oklahoma and Texas, um, and they've had rolling blackouts. We have had none. We're just an hour north. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, when, when you talk about the things you can't do because you live in Texas and the rolling <laughs> blackouts and like, what is the issue with your infrastructure? Why can't you guys, the richest state, according to you guys, mm-hmm. get it together and uh, have a functioning power grid? What's going on down there? I know. I mean, if only listeners could hear the eye rolls I'm giving because I I have long side-eyed. I mean, even when I was a kid and I grew up here, this mentality that so many Texans have that we're the best and we're the greatest and as though there's a reason we need to rank ourselves among others. I don't I don't know where this comes from. I mean, that could be a whole other, you know, episode about the psychology of the people that live here. But for whatever reason, and honestly, I am not an expert here. I am just now learning that this is even a thing. Apparently, we have a thing called ERCOT, which is the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. And essentially what that is, is we provide our own power. I I guess something within like the layers of the those who are in charge plus the science has meant like we don't have enough power for everybody who needs it and so the state has been going through rolling blackouts like massive rolling blackouts for days and days now but i don't know how they decide who's doing it the other problem is at least in the central texas area like austin a lot of people were told they'd be on rolling blackouts but then it just shut off last i heard my parents were going to sleep they were their their whole neighborhood has just been hanging out in their vehicles, in their driveways for heat. Um, and of that course, you know, feel safe. I know. And of course, we've told my parents, like, can we come get you? But here's the problem. And this is kind of the whole infrastructure thing that I was talking about. We have no way to get them and they have no way to get to us because the roads are all completely iced over. In fact, I don't know about you guys, but we got another layer of ice this morning or last night. Yeah. And so now on top of all the snow that we're not used to having is like ice that makes everything slick as snot. And we can't walk around outside if we wanted to because of that. We don't have the things that you have up north to take care of that. So, yeah. And this is kind of more complicating for Texas because and and we experience this a lot. You guys get very little ice and snow. Like it's super rare, right? Yeah. I mean, like I can count on one hand. You know, I grew up here. I can count on one hand the amount of times. Like, I know that we have set a record for this particular ice storm that we have not gotten this much snow since 1949, which yeah. means most most people out and about have never lived through this. Well, in Arkansas, where we live, we get a lot of ice. Um, mm. We get a pretty good snowstorm once a year, um, although the last four or five years we've been pretty pretty free. But you're right, like ice, man, no amount of plowing and very little amount of salting really helps ice. I mean, you just have to let it thaw or get worn down. Um, and so you guys are in a tough spot if you had ice last night, which means you're literally in survival mode. Yeah, it's it's such a funny, weird situation. I mean, I say funny. It's not funny, but it's it's such a weird situation that we're not normally in. I've I've got a text thread among some of my girlfriends in town, and we're all just checking in on each other when we can. And of course, some drop off because you realize, oh, well, they don't have power, and so their phones are dead. Others are conserving power. I have a girlfriend that lives kind of near my parents. They were in bed by 9 p.m. because they had nothing else to do. Like, all they, you know, they had yeah. no lights, no heat. Yep. Might as well just go to bed. 
I guess it's interesting to me how quickly this sort of thing strips away our modern sensibilities into like, okay, what do we truly need to survive? And what does it mean to be human? And what does it mean to like exist? You know, it's weird. And we kind of thought that that happened with the pandemic last March, you know, Mm -hmm. stripping away a lot of the social events and social functions, um, you know, replacing them to some degree with things like Zoom meetings, which man, how many of those have we done in the last year? Right. Um, but about the time we got acclimated to stripping away of social functions, now it's like stripping away of all the things, yeah, all the social functions, but also all the uh, social media functions. If you're living in Texas or these places with rolling blackout, yeah, uh, blackouts, you can't. It's not like you can just like jump on Twitter and tweet away for two hours. Um, and and even like we were talking this morning or texting this morning, you and Amber and I were te- texting about. Um, just our, our alliance on like electronic books and yeah. how you sort of rediscovered or found this morning a book without a battery, quote unquote. And I thought that was a hilarious comment. I know. I know. I mean, here's the thing. I long prefer paper books and I have a whole stack of them all the time. Um, it just, it, it's just funny to me how as soon as we don't have access to the internet or electricity, our brains can go into this you know, I don't know, panic mode of what do I do? As though, I don't know, as though, like what Amber said, I thought it was great. Um, It's newfangled, you know, electricity is relatively newfangled in the past hundred years. And, you know, I totally was tongue in cheek about the batteryless books because, you know, I, I, I side eye all the, the lack of paper books in the world, but um, it's really true. It's, it's just kind of an interesting phenomenon when we're in these situations. Um, Yeah. I don't know if you remember the Truman show that end whenever they are like, I've just been thinking about this a lot. Whenever the Jim Carrey character finally leaves the little, the dome he's been living in a bubble in and everyone's cheering, watching TV. And then as soon as it's over, the two security guards look at each other and say, well, now what do you want to do? And it kind of has that feeling to me like, well, what do we do now? You know, the thing that we've been distracting ourselves with is over. And, you know, you brought up the pandemic. I was in a little, a mini staff check-in meeting yesterday via Google Meet um, for our school. It was one of those, whoever has power, just pop on. Let's just see how each other's doing. And somebody made this comment before. She's like, the weird thing is, is I've kind of forgotten for the past 24 hours that we're in a pandemic. You know, she's like, I've been home. I haven't had to wear a mask. And I'm just thinking about literally keeping the heat on and making sure my kids have food. And then I'll kind of remember, oh, yeah, and we're in a pandemic. So even if, you know, the the power was on or there was no snow, we couldn't go see people anyway. So you do kind of forget the layers of survival here. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And Amber was saying this afternoon or early this morning, she was saying um, how, you know, maybe this is God's way of shutting us up so that we can um, actually take a break from the pandemic and maybe some people can not get so sick. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a good point. You know, sometimes we don't want to, you know, check our own hubris, see previous comments about Texas power grid. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to do things on our own and, and we end up, you know, ultimately creating problems and some, some degree catastrophic problems. Like, you know, I want to go to the restaurant. I want to go to the football game. I want to do this. I want to do that. And as a result, people get more sick. And, you know, right now, at least in the South, God's saying, Nope, you stay home. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe there is. Now, you had mentioned right before we hit record, and um, we were just asking each other about our routines, and you guys are all home. Um, what are you learning during this crazy ice storm or snowstorm about survivalism for yourself? Maybe not so much like a um, you know food, water, shelter way, but a little bit more like the internal, I don't know, virtues and the way of thinking that you need for just mere survival. Have you been learning about yourself any? Yeah. So, you know, the theme of this podcast, the thing that we talk about all the time is sacramental sacramentality and finding God in all things. And, and I think so one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves is when we're in a survivalist mode, um, how do we find God there? And can we sort of get above mm-hmm. that survivalism and get to something more like thriving, more like thrivalism, as we jokingly yeah. said prior to pressing record. Um, and so I think, you know, I've been asking that question a lot the last two or three days, particularly yesterday as it was negative 15. Nobody could go outside without their eyeballs freezing. Um, what does it look like? What does it look like to really thrive um, in the space, particularly where, you know, we're, we're now in the season of Lent um, and we're already stripping away so many things. And so what does it mean to really thrive? And yesterday I had one of those business freakout moments. Do you ever have those where you're like, oh gosh, am I producing enough? Am I creating enough? Is there enough income? Is there, you know, do I have enough stored back? Do you do this? Is there, or is this just minor story of my life the past mm-hmm. 12 years? Yeah. 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 So, you know, you're running these hoops and you're running, you know, these thoughts. And, um, and then this morning, one of the things that I decided I wanted to do for Lent was, um, really learn to pray, uh, the divine hours. I've, I've never done that. I don't know how to do that. It's very difficult to do. And you're pointing to yourself mm-hmm. now, which means you're, are you doing this also? Uh, this is literally what I was thinking about doing this morning. Hey, well, there you go. There, you, Well, I'm doing it. It's difficult-ish. Um, and mostly it's difficult just because it's long and it's a lot of Psalms. You're praying through a lot of Psalms. So that's, you know, that's a thing. Um, and as I was praying through, I kept seeing over and over again, this thought of, or this recurring theme of provision, like you are my rock, you are my provider, you are this, you are that. Like, And I think that there was a, um, a real piece there of just saying like, okay, this is, you know, this idea that maybe there's not enough, maybe I haven't done enough, produced enough. Um, this is a thing that goes back, you know, for all of humanity. And the psalmists resolved it this way and gave me a little bit of encouragement um, that, you know what, I'm not going to freeze to death. I'm not going to starve to death. Um, I do live in relative privilege um, and and that there is a provision from somewhere else. And I think today that's been the thing that's really helped me thrive is to sort of push, you know, part of thriving is like pushing away the neuroses, like getting out of your own head and getting mm-hmm. down to the work of doing what you're supposed to do, focusing on what you need to do. Um, and today that thought that I don't really have to provide for myself, I just have to be, uh, consistent and focused and do the next right thing. Um, that's been really helpful for me to thrive. And so that may look mm-hmm. like, you know, at four o'clock kicking off and spending some time with my family or, uh, picking up a book without a battery, um, or doing something that's, you know, maybe not quite so pre pandemic, pre snowpocalypse, uh, entertainy, so to speak. I think that's how I'm finding thriving. Yeah, that's good. What about you? Um, well, yeah, kind of same. Um, I've been thinking about this idea of the concept of religion being giving God what is due to God and that we can't possibly ever actually do that because he is due infinite praise and worship and we've been given 
an infinitely more amount from God than we could ever give back. And so mm-hmm. the fact that, and so if, if that's the definition of religion, so our, our acts of religion, the, the, the things we do all throughout the day, you know, and the way we interact with the sacramental things in our lives, um, if they are small little, I don't want to say penances, but that's on my mind because of Lent, um, things we do to remind, remember our humanity and that the way we give God the justice due makes us more human. I've been thinking a lot about that connection with faith and works, I guess. I know this is this is kind of a word salad because <laughs> I'm still thinking through it. And so yeah, it's just on my mind a lot. Like one thing I've been really reminded of the past few days is how much I love Kyle because of his heart and because of how he serves. It is the first thing that comes to his mind is how can I help other people? Yeah. Um, yeah. He has been spending, you know, he hasn't been working the past few days because he drives around for his work um, all over central Texas and he can't do that. So he's home. He's been spending most of his time helping others. He's He's been over at our neighbors doing all he can until his pipes thaw. He's been checking on the single mom that lives on the other side. Um, whenever things find like yesterday, whenever things finally kind of were okay, he got his neighbors. He did some kind of workaround system to make his help his neighbor have hot water. I don't even get it, but Kyle figured it out. Um, after figuring out yeah. ours and being under the house and thong, um, it was almost like he had this feeling of like, what do I do now? I feel a little like lost. And, and so for me, so combine that with we've, we've made some newish friends in our neighborhood the past few months, and we've just been texting back and forth. How you doing? Do you need anything? Do you guys have a shop back? Um, We baked some cookies. Do you need, you know, um, that for me, I tend to think of community in the category of thrivalism, meaning it's nice as an extra. Um, It's good just to have, you know, we've yeah. been learning about that a lot this past year with the pandemic, but I think it's more survival than I realize that I like to give myself credit mm-hmm. for. I tend to be a very autonomous person. I can do it myself. Um, but man, it feels good to have someone just text you and say, how you doing? And that's so simple. Yeah. That's such a basic thing. But just, yeah. I don't know, like our neighbor came over for soup a few nights ago because he doesn't have heat or water. And it was like, why we need to be doing this all the time. It is lovely. We sat around and yeah. talked about yeah. Dominican monks and philosophy. And it's like, you're my neighbor. This is really cool. You know, over a bowl of soup. And then he went back home. And I don't know. I just, community is, a, it's part of our human need to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you, when you move out into community, whether that's through service, as you're talking about, you know, I understand what, it was a word soup to me about faith and works. I mean, you're actually talking about working out your faith through service and how Kyle does that really well. And it's very true. I've always thought that about him. Um, when you talk about service, it kind of pulls you out of your own head and your own self, and it moves you out into the realm of the other. Um, it creates connection. Uh, it, it allows you to, to, to see uh, the God in other people, to be encouraged by the God in other people, to share the God that you have with other people. Um, and that connection, that way we recreated it, it really does set the conditions for thriving. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it seems like survivalism uh, is sort of that inward bent. I'm going to take care of me and mine. Right. You know, it's, it's like, uh, I've got six weeks of food stored and, you know, I've got a basement full of guns and weaponry and, and I'm going to, you know, Katie bar the doors. No one gets in my house. Um, 
and that's one way of living. And certainly by the tone of my Southern accent, you can tell how I feel about that way of living. Um, but yeah, certainly you can survive that way. But human thriving really does depend on moving out of the house and moving out into the world and connecting with other people and helping other uh, people and allowing yourself to be helped by other people too. Yeah. Right. And that's, I mean, that's a huge part of what it means to thrive in a world full of humans. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, when I was dealing with depression, that was the advice given to me. Like, even though you don't feel like it, check on someone else and see how you're doing. It was the last thing I wanted to do because I was just wallowing in my own situation, but it genuinely did help. And so I think, I think this is a good reminder for all of us, because even if you're not in the middle of a snowpocalypse, you are still on this planet, which is going through a pandemic. Um, and so it's, for me, it's just a good reminder, like check in on people because not only is it good for them, it's good for you and allow yeah. yourself to be checked in on, you know? Um, yeah. so yeah, it's a good word. These are the things that lead to That's thriving. right. That's right. And honestly, by this time next week, it's going to be thought and I'm going to be grateful for the things. Well, I say that I hope I'm grateful. I hope, you know, humans are finicky like that. We, we forget easily, but I've just been thinking about a lot of these thrival things that I have in my life that I'm grateful for. My, my silly dog, my garden that's covered under snow, um, you know, shelves full of books. So there's a lot, there's a whole lot to still be thankful for. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. So speaking of books, are you, what are you reading, watching or listening to these days? So I was recommended a book um, that I just started um, only through the introduction. So I can't really talk about it that much, say like whether I love it or hate it, but it's uh, a book called Shirt of Flame, A Year with St. Therese of Lisieux by Heather King. Um, and I think this is super fascinating because in my first book, Coming Clean, I wrote about how a woman uh, named Heather King led me into sobriety. And several years ago, I was sharing that story and someone was like, oh my gosh, you know Heather King? And I was like, yeah, she's just a friend who lives up in Minnesota. Turns out it's a different Heather King. So they were super impressed because they have read (laughs) all the books that Heather King has written um, and there is zero connection. So if you read Coming Clean and you think that this Heather King led me into sobriety, this is not the way it happened. Also, uh, one of the facets I remember about being led in sobriety was the breakfast tacos I ate that morning, which you brought me in Austin. It's yep. a whole other conversation that maybe we've had and maybe we'll have again later. But in any yeah. event, this book by Heather King is what I'm reading right now. And I'm really excited. I'll report back because right now, I, like I said, I'm, I'm just barely into it. Um, but I have it on good authority that this is my book. Very cool. I love it. I'm going to add that to my TBR list. Like I don't already have enough to read, but yeah. And I was looking for a good Lent book. So this is kind of my nightly read. Very cool. I love it. Yep. So what are you reading, watching, or listening to? Well, it's definitely paper books these days because you never know. Um, So I'm reading a book and I feel the same way. I'm past the intro, but I'm only on page 35. So it's basically the intro. Um, It is uh, Scott Hahn and Brandon McGinley's latest book, which is called It Is Right and Just. And so this is back to what I was hinting at a little bit with my word salad. the subtitle is why the future of civilization depends on true religion. And so it's this idea that um, human beings are religious by nature, and yet it only works in a commutative, distributive way. 
I it's it's one of these books I have to read really slowly because every sentence or paragraph is like, well, I have to digest that and think about that for a while. So Kyle and I, you know, he got to hear all about it for half an hour this morning. Um, but it's really good. And it's basically he's described they're describing what religion actually is versus what we think it is and why religion is actually a matter of justice and sure. how we can't really escape it. And so it's good to have good religion as opposed to fake or bad or wrong religion. So I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. Have you gotten to the 30,000 foot argument for why uh, true religion is uh, all about justice? I'm literally on that chapter right now. So I'm on the chapter called Religion is a Matter of Justice. And uh, they started off, yeah, talking about, okay, so this is there's distributive justice and communitive justice, um, which is a form of justice that only works in community because it's about, um, you know, equanimity, basically. And so they're making the point like he's like this one part I think is really interesting. Um, it says St. Ambrose said, especially bluntly, that for the rich man, giving of his excess to the poor is not charity, that it's actually the barest minimum demanded by justice. And so similarly to not give one man's extra or to not give one's extra coat to the poor man with no coat is according to St. Basil an act of theft. And so it gets into that. And so then it says when the virtue of justice is replied, not to our relationships with one another, but to God, it becomes a virtue of religion. And this is what we call transcendent justice. So it's getting into the transcendent justice idea and kind of what I was saying earlier about how it's impossible actually to give God what he is due because God doesn't lose anything when he gives us things or when he creates and sustains us. So what does that mean yeah. for us as humans? Why do we even have religion to begin with? And it's yeah. basically the point is it's good for us. So, Yeah. So they wouldn't put it this way, but again, they're saying like for real tribalism, you have to go out into the world and, and work with others and work yeah. for others, work on behalf of others. And this is kind of the, the, the point of, of true religion, of good religion. Yep. That's right. It's not just, you know, what's in it for me and how does this make me feel? So, um, and so, yeah, I think this is the part I haven't gotten to yet where it says why the future of civilization depends on it. So we'll, well see. I'll keep you posted. Yeah. I, that is a bold claim. I know. And <laughs> if they deliver on said bold claim, I want to hear yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably bring it up because I don't, I'm not yet convinced, but we will find out. Um, I want to be convinced and I like Brandon McGinley. I like both of these guys and how they think. So we'll see. So we, we we have made it. So we have made it all the way to the end of this podcast with no power outages. I was a little bit concerned that we'd have to, you know, talk on double time just to make sure we even get a sentence in. So yeah, thank you, Texas Power Grid, for the past however many minutes this has been. Yeah, uh, and if you'd like to leave a donation for the Texas Power Grid, you can find <laughs> a link in the show. No, that's not true. You really can't find a link in the show notes for that. I know, but oh my gosh. It's, I mean, basically the best thing you can do if you're Northern is to not make fun of us. And if you're Southern and going through this as well, just know that you've got friends alongside you dealing with this. That's right. And don't settle for survivalism. Reach That's out right. to your neighbors, check in on them, bake cookies for them, make bread, soup, whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. Don't just survive, but thrive. Yeah. Yeah. Do what you can. And honestly, accept that uh, gift when you need it. Because I have a friend, like literally as we we're talking, um, as you said that, my friend pinged me, you know, uh, via iMessage, we're in survival mode 
for real now. And so um, like our friends are now flushing their toilets with pool water and boiling snow to wash pots and pans. So if you have neighbors like this and you can get to them, bring them a loaf of bread or some cookies or I don't know, do something. So. Totally. Or invite them to your house if you have a big enough house. Who knows? Just invite them to your house, wear masks, you can do it. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, you can always support our individual work via our newsletters. But if you want to support this show, you can do it at buymeacoffee.com slash drinks. We're actually in the process of creating kind of a cool space for this show. So stay tuned if you want to get more involved. But yeah, if you want to support the show, that's how you can pick up the next round of drinks for a few bucks, which helps keep the light keep the lights on around here. Um, you can find all my things at tishoxenwriter.com. Seth, where can people find you? They can find me mostly right now at sethhaines.substack.com. Anyway, my Substack space. And on Twitter, which I'm not on for Lent, at Seth right. Haynes. And Instagram, which I am on for Lent, at oh, you Seth are. Haynes. All with an eye. Uh, yeah, I, I gave up sugar, man. I'm not giving up Instagram, too. Like, that is too much. Sugar <laughs> whole and, thing. and Instagram and Facebook. Come on now. You got to give me one of those things. So that's right, 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 right. Sorry, um, so yeah, and also SethHaines.com. I'm actually redoing my website over the next couple of weeks. And soon, cool. at the end of the show, I'll just say, like you, go to SethHaines.com, and that'll be the end of it. <laughs> Good for you. Okay. Uh, music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Editing is by Kyle Oxenreiter. Caroline Tassell is our transcriber and assistant extraordinaire. I'm Tish, and Seth and I will be back here with you soon. Maybe. <laughs> Probably. Cross Thanks our for fingers. Listening. Yeah, I think so. 